Hello, hello. <laughs> it's the dog days of summer. Uh, not a lot of hockey content out there right now, but we decided to launch this uh, brand new podcast. It's going to be talking about all 32 teams. We're excited to kick it off. And what better day to start than the day after they released the NHL 23 cover? And uh, let's just start with some intros first. Nate, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I want to talk about that cover. That cover, I don't care what anyone says, it's cool, it's unique. It really brings the California vibe to hockey where it needs to, where like the market needs to expand to. And I like it. I like who's on the cover is Zegris. He's a young star, obviously appeals to the younger generation of players. Yeah, hey, do you play hockey in Palm Trees? <laughs> yes. And uh, like, there's no, like, I just don't see any ice to it. I just see palm trees. Do it. So that's where we play hockey in Palm Trees. I mean, there, there's ice on the bottom. They're standing on ice. What, the ice yeah, but you don't stand on ice, you skate on ice. No. Okay, but okay, would you rather that or like some boring, like regular Austin just Austin player Austin. with a pose? Austin like Austin Matthews, I don't want to hear it. You I would rather, okay, you no, would rather I, see Austin Matthews on the cover I, I again. I'd rather see Kale McCarr on a cover that suits the youth. Oh, no, I, I see what you guys both mean here. And Mitch, we gotta get to your intro in a sec here, but you know, I kind of agree with Nate on this one. I think the cover is unique, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I think we can all agree that Austin Matthews hopping on it for a third time in four years is probably best for the game and the marketing. But yeah, that'd be uh, ridiculous. <laughs> no, I like I th- I agree. Man. I think the cover is unique. I think it's different. I tweeted it out that I'm a big fan of it. I th- I really like for some reason the ice cubes. I think that's a really random but cool thing on the bottom. I yeah. love how they went jersey too. And uh, you know how can you not be a fan of the two people on the cover, right? Both very talented hockey players. Um, you know Zegris. Uh, very fun to watch, and anybody that, you know, the listeners out in Anaheim, they know this guy's the real deal, one of the best players in the league. I think the league did a good thing here by marketing it uh, to a young and upcoming superstar like he is. He has that personality, too, where he wants to take this image on, kind of like Austin Matthews. See, I agree with Mitch that Kilmacar did have, you know, the best season, and he had, you know, a Hall of Fame year last year, but I just don't know. I don't feel like his personality is as marketable as it would be with Zegris especially after the cool things that Zegers did this year that were so different. I think the game, you know, making that choice with Zegers is probably bet, the best bet. But, uh, Mitch, let's get to you, buddy. Uh, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? And how's Good, your week man. been? Excited to get going. Well, today, since it's the inaugural episode, we already had a good start. That that was a good intro. Let's <laughs> cover the band. I'm sure the Honestly, listeners... Yeah. Well, like, if we're being real, like, they're... they're... They're not going to do something like that again. So, like, it's cool to, like, experiment with something like that. Like, like the the consensus feedback is, like, it is negative, but, like, they're not going to do it again. But, like, it's cool that, like, they did it, if that makes sense. It's the same game every year. 
No, they added the Zegers pass. You know this too. Same glitches, everything. Same glitches. Everything. Yeah, that's what makes the game. That's what makes the game fun. You just do the same goal over and over and over again. Goal's a goal. Yeah. ESHL. All right. Yeah. Let's get now onto the ninety-five overall, ninety-nine overall player. You can't have overalls in ESHL, man. We're gonna have a separate pod for you two and your NHL. <laughs> Today, since it's the first episode and, you know, we're in the offseason, I think it's only right that we start with the NHL draft that happened in July. And, you know, the first kind of question here, well, this first debating point is what happened with Shane Wright? Nate, let's start with you. I think everyone messed up by not taking him. That, that guy was like a consensus, like first overall pick. Like he's been hyped up. He's had exceptional status going into the OHL. Like, I think it's kind of ridiculous that he fell to four. Montreal, you okay? There, there's a couple of points I want to bring up. Montreal, they didn't particularly need him. Like they had, they have Suzuki, and I guess they really believe in him to the point where they didn't want to take another center to take over that role. Um, New Jersey just flat out didn't need him. They already have Hughes and Heischer down the middle, so they took somewhere where they needed more, you know, help. Arizona is just proving why there will forever be poverty by not taking him because like they really could have used Shane Wright and like Seattle completely cashed in by taking Shane Wright and like starting your like franchise out with Matty Beneers and Shane Wright that's a ridiculous start in the first two years. Mm-hmm. Mitch let's get your thoughts on this one now. Yeah I agree like it's I don't know. It's one of those interesting things. Like he got so much hype, and now we're just surprised to see and fall where he is. But with where he stands in Seattle, I actually really like it because like they're up and coming now. Like they were careful with the expansion draft and stuff. Like they didn't like. I found like Vegas was like aggressive. Seattle wasn't like as aggressive. But now like with Berniers and Wright, they got these two guys to build around, which I like. So like, it's a lot for them like to look into moving forward. And it's definitely, I think he's going to be the right fit in Seattle. Like I really couldn't have seen him within those other three teams, but he'll fit so well with Seattle. And I think like he's going to have a big chip on his shoulder too, because he got so much hype from around NHL fans that he was going to go number one. And since, since well, not only did he fall one spot, but he fell three, so now he's at four. And this no- guy knows he's got a lot to prove, and he knows he knows what his capabilities are, and he's definitely proven and got the hype that he should have been a lot higher. So now that he's now that he's dropped a few spots, he's going to be even better. So I think he's going to solidify himself as a go-to guy uh, within within Seattle. Yeah, you know. In my opinion, I, I love Shane Wright. I think he deserved to go number one. I think that, like, like kind of what Nate said there is, he's had that elite status tag to him. And for the last three years, it's been all about picking apart his game and trying to find any little thing to disregard his talent. Now, in terms of the draft, I think a lot of people were shocked when Slavkovsky was taken number one. So I think the teams underneath Montreal at that pick, like New Jersey, for example, and Arizona. With New Jersey, I kind of feel like there's a lot of talk before the draft that teams were looking at the Colorado Avalanche and their success to winning the Stanley Cup. And they, a lot of the, a lot of GMs believe that it was driven off Kale McCarr, of course. When you have a defenseman like that, you're going to win. But Kale McCarr, and I think teams just got too in love with trying to find the next one. 
So I think that's why New Jersey saw time on Nemich and decided to go there. I'm, I'm, I like Nemich a lot, but I don't think he deserved to go number two. Personally, I would have taken either Wright, Cooley, or even, you know, Slavkovsky. Yes, I, I know I sound like a Slavkovsky hater. I'm not. I think he's a great player. I just don't think he has the highest ceiling compared to a guy like Shane Wright. But Shane Wright at number four, that was a slam dunk pick. They have Matty Beneers now and Shane Wright, like Mitch said, down the middle for, you know, the next decade. If they could find a way to somehow land Bernard, which I think Seattle's going to be better next season, but, you know, there is a lottery, and we don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, so it's not too out of the question. Uh, just imagine how good that team is going to be for, like, the next, like, 10 to 15 years if they can keep them all, uh, you know, with the new cap structure. But right now, Seattle, they went out, they spent some money. They've spent money in back-to-back offseason, so I'm, I'm not counting them out to be maybe a wild-card team or a team that's in the hunt. I think they're still a little bit of pieces away. I think, you know, you have to see how well Shane Wright does do this year. But I think this was a slam dunk pick here by Seattle. I think this was a steal at number four. An absolute, you know, I cannot, I was stunned. I haven't been this shocked with an NHL draft in a long time. And, uh, you know, credit to Seattle. I am really rooting for them. I hope they have, you know, um, quite the next couple of years because I think this team is definitely going places. And I love how they're not afraid. They're going out there in free agency. They're spending money. They brought in Burakovsky. They extended McCann. They have Yanni Gord, who has tons of experience. This team is going to be fun to watch next season, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, next here, um, I'm actually going to bring up – so, you know, we're talking about Seattle, right? And uh, before we recorded this podcast today, I reached out to our friend at Kraken Season on Instagram, best Seattle Kraken fan page on Insta. If you're a Kraken fan listening to this or you just want any coverage on the Seattle Kraken – Make sure to follow this page. He's the best. Um, so I asked our friend here, the first question was, uh, do you think the pick was right knowing you have Veneers waiting in the shadows at center? And he responded with, yes, it was absolutely the correct pick. When you have a thin prospect pool like we did at the time, you have to draft the best player available rather than draft based on positional need. Shane Wright was without a doubt the best player available at our pick. Good centers are hard to come by in this league and having two star centers in Veneers and Wright would be incredible. See, I agree 100% with that. Um, you know, when you have two top and premier prospects at the center position, you're looking at a very nice future. We look at teams that have been very successful in the cap era. You know, first example that comes to mind is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Two very dominant centers that they've gone back-to-back drafts. Very young. This Seattle team looks like it's on a good road. One thing I just hope with them is that they don't get overexcited and overbuy in free agency and surround their very young, talented prospects in veneers and right and you know, go down the board, we're going to talk about them more in a sec, but I just hope that they don't rush the rebuild because right now, if they can just slowly build up kind of like the Penguins did, this team is going to be a juggernaut. What do you think, Nate? I think you're completely right. I think they won the draft, obviously, like starting your franchise out off with like two elite talents, two young elite talents like that, like that kind of reminds me of like, the McDavid and the Dreis, obviously, like not like on their skill level, like they're not as good as McDavid, Dreis, you know, Crosby, Malkin, but that's that's two solid pieces to build around. Since that they're centers, you can actually build around them, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I agree with everything you said. All right, Mitch, what do you think about that? Yeah, they for sure won the draft, and I agree with you. Actually, don't rush the rebuild. I give these guys still time to develop before you really make the big spend around them, like. 
I could see them being in the hunt within this year, but if they're like, it's good that they have those two building pieces just to build around. And now all they have to do is just fill those holes and spend the money around them and just build a team because you know, with Grenier's and Wright, that those are your two building blocks. And like you said earlier with the Penguins, like they have Crosby, Malkin, center goal, like now they're right Grenier's. They're your building blocks and you just want to utilize them and build around them. So I definitely think they won the draft and they got a good long-term future with both those players up the middle. Well, I like how you kind of mentioned them being in the hunt. That's kind of, that's kind of something I kind of said too. So, um, you know, the second question I asked our friend at Kraken season was, you know, the future of Seattle is bright for sure. Um, but do you feel comfortable in Philippe Grubauer and his situation? His response was, I feel comfortable that Grubauer can rebound next season. It'll be hard for him to perform worse than he did last year. Hopefully the new goalie coach helps. You know, I have to admit, it was a very bad season for Grubauer. Well, they got a better team around them now this year, though. So they do, they, they do. do. So he should, I should see slight improvements. Look, I don't he proved the Colorado effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did have the – well, once he got paid, it all fell apart. That's the thing, so. No, see, the, I'm a little higher on Grubauer because, you know, he is a good goaltender. We saw it with his time with the Washington Capitals. We saw it with Colorado. Now, I understand the team in Colorado was a juggernaut. And there was nights where he would face maybe 14 shots and look like two goals. And, you know, it was definitely not the best performances. But it's like from that goals pending aspect, you know, as a goalie myself, it's a lot. It's harder than people think playing with those teams that are so good. And the reason why is because the puck is usually on, you know, on their possession on your team. And, you know, when they give it up, it's in very high leverage opportunities and chances, very high danger chances, right? We saw last year, even with Kemper in that uh, for Colorado, you know, it's a lot easier when you're a goalie that maybe is going up against 25 shots per game because you can get into that rhythm and kind of play your, you know, your normal style, what you practice for. But playing on a team that's usually so dominant, which Colorado's been, it's very difficult to stay sharp and on your toes the whole game because there's going to be stretches in the game where you're not going to see the puck for long periods of time, right? And that's what I, that's what I think a lot of people overlook. I think to be a goalie on a, you know, a, a strong team like that, you have to always be on your toes. And I think, you know, they kind of got that out of Kemper for most of this season. There was, there was, sorry, there was times where they didn't get that. We, we saw that a lot in the playoffs, but, you know, credit to Darcy Kemper because he did the job well done, won them the cup. But, you know, I'm higher on Grubauer. I think he can rebound. I think he got overpaid though. Um, but, you know, he, in no ways is he what he was last year. He's going to improve. Um, it was a new team, expansion team. It was a one-off. I'm, I'm willing to give him that and uh, throw it away. I just want to see how he's going to improve and how he's going to build off it. And like our friend at Kraken season set, they got a new goalie coach, so hopefully that helps um, kind of, you know, I guess boost his play. But uh, I think that's pretty much all from most of the Grubauer talk. And that's, Nate, you have anything to add? Like about Seattle? No, like Grubauer. Well, we're going to talk more about Seattle in a second. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, like, it is it is very hard to, like, repeat a horrible season like that was last year. But, like, that's just another year under the belt. The Seattle guys, like, you think about it. You're, ta- you're taking players who have never played with each other and putting them on an NHL team. And they have zero chemistry right off the bat. So the fact that he has to go in there, well, obviously he wanted to go there because he took, the like, the contract. But to go in there and, like, to have a bad season right out the gate. It's not a good look, but he can obviously rebound. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, so now let's go to the next topic. This is the last topic we're going to be talking about the Kraken on this pod, and that is who won the draft this season. I think it's only fair we wrap up with this since we're talking about the draft. Now it's very heavily Seattle-based yeah. this start here. <laughs> but, uh, Nate, let's start with you. Who won the draft? Because I know you already kind of hinted at it. It's it's no question. It's the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> like, they, they've literally done everything right since coming into the league. They... They drafted, like, a solid veteran team. And, like, they obviously didn't do good, but, like, they got really good pieces through the draft. Like, they got Shane Wright, Matty Beniers. You know, they got uh, that Furcus kid. You know, that, that kid's going to be also really good, too. So I think they've done everything right. I think, hot take, I think they've done better. That They took a better route than Vegas not they did better than Vegas but they took a better route just because Vegas kind of just said fuck you to the future we want to win now and like look what they're they're in cap hell every single <laughs> year it seems I like mean, yeah, Nate, that's an interesting point now we can look like, at where they are now right yeah like when you when you look at Vegas they they said fuck you to their future I'm sorry I'm allowed to swear on this I I just but like they you know, they kind of just said, screw it to their future. We want to win now. And like they are in cap hell. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right there. Uh, Mitch, what about you? You know what? Looking back at it now where Vegas is, yeah, he's actually kind of got a point. Like, it's, I think Vegas, like, they rushed it. Yeah, they may have made the final the first year, but where did they go after? They blew a game seven lead, two leads, and then – uh now look where they are. They're they're in the playoffs, and they're yeah, and like you said, Nate, struggling with caps. So now they're screwed for the future, in my opinion. And I just yeah, I guess you could actually say that uh, Seattle played this uh, expansion draft better, and now they're it's going to take some time for them, but it's it's better they don't rush it and put themselves in a bad situation within two or three years later. Well, so. I, I just got to add here. I'm not going to let any slander go to the Golden Knights, you know, all the fans listening, they have supported us uh, tremendously, so I have to defend the Golden Knights here. They took very two, very different routes. There are two very different routes. Seattle decided to, you know, save for the future, where Vegas kind of said what Nate said, we're, we're going to go for it right now. And I love both teams' perspectives on how to attack it and come into the league. I think Vegas did it right by, you know, taking the league by storm. I don't think the league really saw uh, Vegas doing that at all I, I know myself I didn't so you know they both took very different paths and I think they're both going to be successful Seattle took the more patient route and look they just landed Maddie Beneers and, and Shane Wright now I know they had they got Beneers for free basically just by uh, last year's draft but you know now they have two top centers for the next decade but you also look at Vegas I would not be ashamed of Vegas accompl- Vegas's accomplishment so far Coming into the league, they've done stuff the teams have been trying to do for 50 years, right? We look at the team in Toronto, the mean you cover, Mitch, and, you know, Vegas made it look like nothing. They walk into the league, and they got to the promised land and almost, almost went all the way. They got to the final and just couldn't finish it. So credit to both organizations. Um, you know, I think the league's so much more fun with both of these teams in there. They both have amazing jerseys. I love both these uh, two franchises' uniforms. I think they're absolutely sharp. Uh, but now going on to my opinion, who won the draft, you know, obviously I think Seattle won that won the draft for sure. Yager Perkis, you know, the league better watch out. Um, you know, he was a guy a little undersized, kind of fell late first round, but he's got so much skill. 
He's so fast. He's going to be dangerous. I think once he gets older, puts on a little bit more weight and gets a little stronger, he's going to be a top-end prospect. I was really hoping that the Leafs could kind of land him in round two, uh, but Seattle took him right away. Then, But, you know, in terms of winning the draft, I think I might go with the Minnesota Wild here just because the picks that Seattle had, they had a lot more opportunity compared to, you know, Minnesota. But Minnesota's draft class, I'm just going to read out the names here. Liam Ogren, you know, huge fan of his. When I was uh, scouting and doing the mock draft for Battleborn Fan Talk, this was one of the prospects that I fell in love with. You know, very, very decisive forward. Um, he, he's a he's a just amazing talent. Like, he is unreal. Uh, if anybody who's not familiar with this play, search up his highlight tape. And then it just gets better after that. Danilo Yurov, bigger forward, you know, add some goal scoring. He's got the size. This guy, like I tweeted out, he is going to give any pipeline that drafted him in the NHL some size and some goal scoring in their pipeline for the prospects. And Minnesota landed a gem here, I think. There was a scout that – there was something that I read where a scout had Danilo Yurov ranked as high as the number two prospect in this whole draft. So, you know, obviously I'm high on him. I think there's a lot of scouts that are a lot higher than him on than I am. <laughs> That's saying a lot. So I think, you know, Minnesota did well here. But you also look, Hunter Height, we know very familiar with him, right? Very cold. Uh, lives, well, not lives, but, you know, plays close to where we live. Um, you know, Rieger Lorenz, Mikey Milne, Ryan Healy, David Spacek, and uh, Servak Petrovsky. Like this team, all their picks have a shot to make the NHL. And credit to them, you know, they're they're in a tough spot right now with the cap, obviously the buyouts. And GM Billy G just continues to deliver success. And I'm really happy with their draft class. And the fans in Minnesota get ready because every prospect you pick has a super high ceiling. And I cannot wait to see how your team looks like in a couple of years from now. Uh, anything you guys want to add, Nate and uh, Mitch, before we move on to the next topic that is finally outside the draft? I think I'm good. I'm going to move on. I just want to repeat a comment that our buddy Mike made once. Why does Montreal, uh, not Montreal, why does Minnesota make the playoffs every year if they just end up losing in the first round? We'll leave it at that. <laughs> He's basically saying. <laughs> Minnesota's future is bright. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Billy G. I love what he's doing. Obviously, Kirill Kaprizov is a superstar, and you know I think he's going to have a lot to show this year because they're in a tough spot with the cap. And if they're going to make the postseason with every team in the West looking like they're getting better, besides um, Chicago, this is going to be a tough road for them to to make it. Now that we have teams like LA, who's just adding a Kevin Fiala out of nowhere, and you know, te- like look at Seattle, right? They went out. Landed Bjorkstrand. They drafted Shane Wright. It's going to be a tough, tough battle for Minnesota. But, you know, I'm rooting for them. And they have Marc-Andre Fleury. We all know uh, my personal ties to him. So I'm rooting for Minnesota. But, you know, the next topic here, we're going to go. So now in order from the draft, it's going to go a little bit to the end here. And that is about our Stanley Cup winners, the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm going to ask you, Mitch, to start off here. Can the Colorado Avalanche repeat as champions? Tough to say. I mean, they have an amazing team. Don't get me wrong. Repeating, like, it's hard to do. I think they'll go far, but I don't know if I can see them repeating. It's so early for me to say my favorite, the, the Stan- my Stanley Cup favorite. It's, it's tough. What do you think? 
I mean, I, I don't think so. I think losing Nazem Kadri is too much of a hole for them. Well, now, Kemper too, right? Kemper too, but I like Gorgiev. See, the thing with the Avalanche is I love their star talent. You know, Branton and Landeskog, McKinnon, McCarr. You can go down the list. Even their defensemen. Like, I'm a huge Eric Johnson fan, although he might not get all the love. I love that guy. I love the way he plays. Um, I just don't know if they can do it because, yeah, Kadri did miss arguably, you know, that second half of that cup run in the playoffs. But, you know, you're, you're relying on a guy like Alex Newhook to kind of give that value of what Kadri gave you. And although that's certainly possible, like Newhook was one of the top prospects uh, coming out of the Colorado system. But, you know, I just don't know if I trust them in a top six role now as that full-time number two center. I don't know how that power play is going to look uh, now that you take Nazem off. And, you know, just – the, just the play that Kadri brought, brought, he was like hard to play against, hard-nosed player. Um, I just don't know if Colorado can, you know, replace that so easily. And we know that they're going up against cap battles now. McKinnon's already said they wants to be the highest paid player in the league. So I, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know how to like project Colorado, but I think they're going to be a, a real good team. I yeah. could see them going far in the playoffs again. I just don't know if they make it all the way now that they're kind of I guess a little bit more shallow than what they were last year at center. What do you think, Nate? I think I have, I have mixed feelings about them repeating. Like they, they can do it, but they can't at the same time, if that makes sense. There's just like, there's too much to it. Like, like you said, Kadri's like a huge, huge loss. Like when it, in terms, not even just like the points that you're missing out when you lose them, you're losing a leader and a guy that makes just a big impact in the game of hockey when you when he left, which really hurts them. Darcy Kemper left. He was meh. He got the job done, like you said, but he wasn't realistically that good. Uh, Kale McCarr, he's really good. He's only getting better. McKinnon's still hungry. Like it's it's hard to say. Like they can't they can if like their big guys show up because like when you look at their bottom six like andrew cogliano new hook logan o'connor like that's their third line and darren Helm, ben myers jason megna like i i don't really trust their depth there and their goaltending duo for this upcoming season is like questionable like yeah france is like don't get me wrong he's a good goalie but like i, I like he's Losing your goalie that you just that that was on your cup run, that's definitely a big adjustment too. And obviously using losing that hard nosed guy like Kadri, like those are two hard replacements right there they've got to look at. But at the same time, like they have a lot of star power. That's the thing. And yeah, they do have a lot of questions for the future, like paying McKinnon and McCarr. So there's a lot to look at, but like, I agree with what you're saying. Like they can repeat if those guys step up and they do have the star power for it. So, I mean, yeah, they got a couple holes to fill this season, but it's, it's going to be tough to replace, like definitely going to be tough to replace your goalie that, that, uh, that you won the cup with. That's always tough losing that. And then hard nosed guys, they're just so hard to find in this league. Like they, it's just, it's one of the toughest things you can go out and find. Like a guy like Kadri, like it's just, it's, it's a, it's a massive piece that they're losing. But again, like I sort of think like this, the, the, the avalanche star power can sort of like out, outplay that. Like they can outplay that, like that loss. Like they just have so much. So they'll lose that part, but I just, 
it, it can be replaceable, but it, it's just not going to be the same as what he brought to the table and the ice every night. But I believe their star power can outmatch that. Well, one thing with Colorado that like I've noticed is they were so successful. Like a lot of it was the star power for sure, mm-hmm. but that decor was awesome. It was very mobile. Yep. You had everything you wanted out of it. It was physical when it needed to be. Um, they were always in position. It felt like, you know, they could play a tough game. They could play a speed game transition. All, any type of play style you want to go against, they were able to match up with you. But I'm just wondering now, and I, I want to get your two guys' opinion on it. Yeah, it, it's not like, I don't want to dive too much into it because it's just something that's in my head hearing Mitch talk. But, you know, when we look at their left side, right, in Colorado, they have Devontae, Bowen Byram, and Samuel Girard. We know that they're going to run into cap trouble eventually, this Colorado team. Would it be crazy, in your guys' opinion, if they move a guy like Samuel Girard or they elect to move a Bowen Byram to get some maybe center help? I think they could definitely afford to do that. But, like, do they really want to? No. Because, like, that, that defensive core is what's going to get – because defense wins championships. And, like, I, that's what everyone says. And, like, it is true. Like, if you look at all the previous Stanley Cup champions, they all have had a solid, like, decor attached to them. So, sorry, the 2017 Penguins, Ron Hainsey, yeah, Ron Hainsey. <laughs> no, like, I, I agree, I'm just making a joke here because that decor was, you know, okay, but like, like, solid, like, you know, it, what I mean, it was definitely an interesting year for the cup winners, <laughs> okay. No, I but, think, I think, I no, I, I, I don't know about the deep, I think definitely the goaltending and. You want a lot of depth around your forward group, like definitely around your star, your star power. Like that's they do have some good prospects. I'll give them that. Yeah, but I'm not like if you got a good go-to guy like Makar, I just I don't know. But uh, continue with what you were saying there, Nick, because that was kind of interesting. I'm just saying, like their defensive depth is probably if they're going to repeat, that's what's going to get them. Because look, you have Devon Taves, who is, in my opinion one of the most underrated players in the league. Like, people like like me and me and you and Mitch, we would know how good this guy is because he was on the Islanders. He's an unreal player. I and then you have Cam- I wouldn't move any of their D, actually, their center depth there. If, if they're going to try to replace him, like, like his sort of style of play, it just you're not going to get the same type of player. It doesn't matter what center you go and get. They're not getting the same type of player. And I defense with championship, Josh is right about the Penguins, like with like the average decor they had, especially like having a Tang out all 2017. But I think the big, the biggest thing for them, like goaltending, that'll be probably one of their toughest replacement too. Like you lose your goalie, go on, on a cup run, now it's done. So this would be a tough replace too. Well, like we know. Sorry, Nate, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say they did go other way to get Alex Newhart, a guy that I know dearly. But the thing is. The guy, the thing with Alexander Yugov is, one game he's prime Dominic Hasek. The next game he's a fucking AHL goalie. Like he's he's uh, he's unbelievably inconsistent. I he can probably find his groove in Colorado now that he has a team in front of him that will actually help him out because the Rangers they decide to pay like piss when he's in that. But yeah, it, I think he'll find his groove. I think he could potentially win the starting role from Franco. Too much of a hot take. I, I love Gorgiev. I think with Gorgiev, though, is you know, 
he's looked good at times where he's gotten the ability to kind of run games on a streak where he's kind of in that mini starter where he's played, you know, four games in a row, three games in a row. I think it kind of builds that, you know, routine for him. And I think he looks a lot more sharp than when he's just thrown in at random points, like when he's backing up Shesterkin. But, you know, for me, just to kind of, I just want to wrap up on this Colorado talk here is just to make things clear. I, I think I would be open to moving a Girard knowing that the cap struggles this team's going to run into, knowing that McKinnon wants to be the highest paid player in the league. I, I would probably be in favor to move a guy like Girard and bring in a guy that can play center, that I know can play in my top nine, that, you know, is on a much more affordable contract, maybe a prospect even at that point, like a higher-end prospect. Because, you know, Girard, very good defenseman, very mobile, has some offensivity to his game. He's very creative in the offensive zone. I wouldn't. I think that's the road I would actually go. Is I would think about moving Gerard, kind of keeping Bowen while he's still on that, you know, cheaper deal. Then going out and adding maybe you know a, a capable bottom six left handy because those aren't really hard to find. Now, if we were playing a, replacing a right hand shot defenseman, a little more rare, so a little bit of a different conversation. But I don't think you need three premier left handed D when your forward core, you know, that 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 middle nine there looks a little weak to me. And I just think if we can get somebody on a, a much more reasonable cap hit that can play as that kind of cadre replacement at an affordable price tag, once you have, you know, the McKinnons and the McCars and uh, Rantanen's in their prime, I think that that team right now can win not only one, but multiple cups. And for teams in the West, I'd be scared. I'd be scared. That team, like, I I think I'm just going to leave it there. That Rantanen and Landis Cog and like that team has so much firepower that if they can just find that cadre replacement long term, this team is going to be hard to play against. It's going to be real hard to play against. All right, now let's move on to uh, our next topic. Here is one of the bigger moves in the off season, and that is Tampa Bay moving on from McDonough, trading them to Nashville. Mitch, you're a huge McDonough fan. Let's start with you on this. Did this move shock you at all? Uh, honestly, n not at all. I mean, I saw him coming, getting moved anyways. And, I don't know, Nashville, I kind of like it. It gives him another back-end guy behind Yossi. And I always, I've liked McDonough. I've always liked his, like, I've always liked the guy as a defenseman, to be honest. He's, uh, he's got that experience in Tampa. And I just, I like to see what he can bring to the table to Nashville. So, I'm not shocked at all he got moved, though. What about you, Nate? I think they got a they got a pretty good deal for Ryan McDonough, the Predators. I think he's a solid player. He really help out with the young players there. He's a good role model, good locker room guy. I think he's good for the team, but like not like he has a pretty expensive cap hit, and that's why Tampa Bay wanted to move on from him. It does make them better, but it doesn't make them a contender. If that makes sense. I like the move though. Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying there. I like the move a lot. I think this is something that Nashville is, I guess it's part of their organization's uh, format is kind of stack the D, you know, when they were very successful, when they made it to the Stanley Cup final that year, they had, you know, looking at that roster right now, like they had like four top premier defensemen in at home, Subin and Yossi, you can go down the list. It was insane how much depth they really had. Remember, this was also a team that had Seth Jones at one point. It was just crazy. 
So I think they went back to their ways here. They acquire McDonough. I like this move. You know, Nashville is a team that now they get this veteran guy that's been successful the last couple of years for Tampa Bay. Three straight finals for him. We saw what he did with his time in the Rangers. Is he a little beat, beat up and worn down for sure? I think that's why Tampa Bay gave him away for such the, such a low cost. But, you know, I think McDonough here, it's a nice fit. It's interesting to see with this Nashville team. You know, for me, you either love them or you hate them in terms of, you know, if you put a futures bet on if they would win the Stanley Cup this year. I don't think they're going to go that far. I think there's too many question marks on offense. But, you know, I think this team in Nashville, it's looking like it's going to be tough to score on them. And if they can kind of get the same production that they got this year out of guys like Matthew Shane and Ryan O'Hanson, this team could perhaps be, you know, a, a top team in this league. And, you know, they added some forward depth. So, you know, I see how a lot of people are on the side that they are going to be a very, very big sneaker team this year. Obviously, we saw what UC Saros did too last season. So, you know, this team is a team that I'm definitely going to be moderate, monitoring. I love Roman Yossi. And uh, how can you not love the Nashville vibes? So, you know, I'm interested to see how Nashville does. But, hey, I got to ask you, are you like, are you one of those people that are a believer that this team will win the cup? Um, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they have the it factor. I don't think they have enough forward depth. I don't have, I don't think they have enough forward star power. Their defense is like, right. Like Roman Yossi can be that guy. Like you look like, I want to fix up my point from earlier from defense with championships. I'm, I, what I really meant was that they, every like, team recently has had that guy if you know what I mean like if you like Victor Hedman Kale McCarr you know John Carlson Chris Letang like the list goes on like Drew Doughty Duncan Keith Chara Roman Yossi can't be that guy he's in that company I don't think this makes him a contender though this move I don't like them as a contender I don't think they're there yet I think they need more star power up front I, I actually agree with you on that, uh, Nate. Like, I've, I've, always, like, I've always found them to be, like, an okay team. Like, they never really wowed me in the past. The only, like, I really like Yossi and Sorrows on that team. That's about it. But other than that, like, they don't have much on forward. And they're just that average hockey team I just see them as. So, like, they had their run in 17. They couldn't get it done against the Penguins. Other than that, they've just been there's I don't know, they've just been an average team and I just nothing really wows me besides Yossi and Sorrows on that team. So I don't view them as like going any further. Like they're I think they'll be playoff contenders, maybe, but other than that, they're not making a run anytime soon. I gotta say though, if they could some like get some production out of Thomas Dino and you know, the bottom six, they have Tanner Chano to keep improving. This team could surprise. You know, I think they're a bigger team. They're Definitely a team that likes to throw the body around. So maybe they can frustrate some of the smaller skill-based teams. But right now, I agree with you guys. I wouldn't put money on them to win the Stanley Cup. I just don't think that they have a roster on paper right now to line up with some of the big guns. Uh, Moving on to our next topic here, and we have to mention them, the Vegas Golden Knights. I just want to say again, thank you to their fans, to our listeners, for the support that they have given us. Over 100-plus followers on Twitter already. You guys are amazing. Shout out to everybody in Vegas and all you Golden Knights fans. You guys are the best. So I think it's only fair we mention you guys on episode number one here. And that is, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a sad topic here. But 
it's the Robin Leonard injury. And, you know, I want to start with this one because Robin Leonard, you know, like I already mentioned, as a goalie myself, Robin Leonard's a guy that I love to watch. Um, you know, all the stuff he's faced uh, off the ice has been something that, you know, I've, I've really looked up to and seeing how, you know, how motivational he is and, you know, how much good he does in the community and hearing him talk about his time at Long Island and all that stuff is very emotional. And, uh, you know, I love Robin Leonard for that. It, it's really sad because, you know, last year was a little tough for him with the injuries and this year now he's not going to be playing at all. When you have one of your favorite players that you love to watch, that's already out for the season, um, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little sad. And, you know, Robin Leonard, yes, he's a bigger guy, but man, when he's on his game, he's one of the top goalies in this league. There's a reason he got paid that money from Vegas. And it's a shame because he's battled adversity, adversity, sorry, his whole career. And now to go through this, you know, you don't want to see that. And, you know, Nate, I think we're going to go to you first here because you're a huge uh, Thompson guy. Are you comfortable with Thompson for squad to start the season in Vegas? I'm comfortable with Thompson, not comfortable with Rousseau. Thompson, like, he showed, like, glimpses of, like, him being a guy that you can rely on. I don't know if he can, like, he was a good backup. We just have to see if he can be a good starter. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Mitch? Uh, no, I th- I'm not. I don't, like, yeah, Thompson, I agree, but I don't know. I think it, Vegas, they're going to have to go goalie hunt because I think that's going to be a struggle for them to start the season. And I think uh, I think they're going to get off to a slow start again. I just with Leonard going down, I just don't see any spark within this team, and uh, that's that's a big loss for them. And I think they're going to be struggling with goaltending definitely to start the season. And I I just see them getting off to an extremely slow start, and that's going to be the main drive point to it. So I think they're going to have to go out and find a goaltender. For the- and they traded Patch already. Exactly. So that's one of their key forwards too, and I just. The, this team's falling apart, and I just – it's slowly, slowly falling apart. You can see it, and this minor injury doesn't help them. And the, the Pacioretty trade is one of their best players. isn't helping either, so they're slowly falling. Well, I think the most – What were you saying, Nate? I'm just saying, like, I think, like, the most important – and the most important player for the Vegas Golden Knights this year, this year will be Jack Eichel. Like, they, they sacrificed a lot. To get Jack yeah, Eichel, we call, we call him important, but is he going to be the same player that he is? Like he came off a pretty serious injury. Like, if they make the playoffs, it'll be because of him. Dodge the bullet here, getting rid of him because if he's out for that long and now he's coming back, is he going to be that type of same type of player? That's my question to you, though. Yeah, that's why. That's why he's like one of the biggest what ifs, like in the NHL. Like, like I just said, like if they if they make the if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, it will be because of him. It will have to. Saying like, well, like, oh yeah, they're they're winning the cup, but I don't know. I don't think he's gonna be the same type player I've seen out of him. You guys are talking about, you know, the what ifs of Jack Eichel, and I love Jack Eichel, one of my top ten favorite players in this league, without a doubt. I will certainly have his jersey on order this year. But, you know, the biggest what if on this team for me lies in two areas. Number one, okay, this one doesn't count. Obviously, it's the goaltending. But number two is about Mark Stone. And we're talking about Eichel's injuries, yes. But my what if is how is Mark Stone going to bounce back? He had the back injuries. When he came back, he wasn't nearly as effective as the Mark Stone that we saw at the start of the year in pretty much his whole career. He's a very, very good two-way winger. He was vital to that penalty kill. 
He's very good in the offensive zone. That is my what if. Now, when Jack Eichel came back, yeah, he wasn't knifing for defensemen like he was back in his days, in his prime years with Buffalo, but he's still a very young player. He's in great shape. He looked awesome when he came back at certain points. There was games where he was clearly the best player on the ice for both teams, very dominant. But there was times where he also got caught, you know, struggling for offense, especially those last few games there when it, when the pressure was on. It's going to be interesting to see how Jack Eichel does when the pressure's on this year. He's a little older. He's got a little bit more um, experience now after coming back from this injury. I, I'm excited for him. I'm a huge Jack Eichel guy, like I said. I think he's going to have a good season. It, my what if is on Mark Stone. He, they need Mark Stone in Vegas. Mark Stone, one of my favorite players as well, one of the most complete players in the game uh, for, you know, a superstar uh, at that point. And, you know, if he can come back and be the Mark Stone that we know, then this team, I have no problem saying that they're going to be in the postseason. Why? Because I think they're just a couple little pieces away from being uh, at least a team that I can see getting into the, the postseason. That left wing uh, side on offense is a little shallow, in my opinion, but other than that, you know, you can move Stevenson around. They have a lot of they have a lot of depth. They have a couple young players in the AHL that could potentially make a run to be on the roster. But you know that decor, you have two top defensemen in Shea Theodore and Oscar Petrangelo. If they can get the goaltending right now, if I was Vegas, I wouldn't go out trading for a starter just yet. Maybe get a cost-effective kind of cheap veteran backup to kind of go maybe with that three-way goalie tandem to try to. You know, get you through the regular season. Maybe Robin Leonard can, uh, you know, make a surprise um, return for the postseason if that does happen. I know it's very unlikely, but we've seen that in the NHL last couple of years, so you never know. But I don't think they got to go out there right now and spend a premium pick on a goaltender that you know is. What are they going to do for next year, right? Like a lot of people said, oh, go out and get this guy, get this goalie, get him, trade for Gibson. It doesn't really make sense to move on from your first round pick if you're the Golden Knights right now, when you're not even sure if you're going to make the playoffs yourself, and then you're going to have what you did last year when you traded your first round pick and you didn't make the postseason, you're going to trade it again for a, for this roster that we really don't know uh, how good they're going to be. I think they have a very high ceiling, but I could also see them struggling a bit. Do they move a guy like Martinez? That's going to be an interesting question mark. There's a lot of stuff that Kelly McCrimmon can do here to move around in Vegas, and I'm excited for it. I'm hoping they do well for him. They just brought in Phil DeFroe-Kessel. So, you know, they have that guy that, you know, he can provide offense. I love Phil DeFroe. Like, that's another guy that I'm going to be rooting for. I love what he said in his interview as well. And, you know, throwing shade to the Arizona Coyotes, how it's finally good to play for a team that wants to win. You know, when you have a veteran that's hungry and ready to prove that they've done in the past, I think you could see maybe 20 goals out of Phil Kessel this year. We know what he brings in the style of play. It's all offense, no defense. So, you know, maybe I wouldn't put him on a line with Jack Eichel, but maybe if you want to put him on, you know, in that top nine, maybe on your third line, perhaps work with a guy like Stevenson or William Carlson down the middle to provide, you know, maybe a little bit more scoring stability. I think this team is going to have – I think this team is going to be good this year, and I'm really looking forward to watching them play. But um, any last comments from you guys on the Golden Knights? I think I'm good. I think I'm good too. I just want to say that that Stevenson guy, he's pretty good. He's pretty underrated. Oh, very underrated player. I love him. The fact that Washington gambled uh, on Stevenson turning out like this for what they got in return was ludicrous. But, you know, now we're not really talking about Vegas now with this part. We're talking about the Carolina Hurricanes here because uh, they acquired winger, Nate, you already mentioned his name, Max Pacioretty in this uh, this offseason. 
Pacioretty are another one of my favorite players as well. Um, you know, very, very skilled in the offensive zone. Unfortunately, has been very injury troubled the last couple seasons. And this year, it did not get any better so far as he has an Achilles tear, which just seeing him out for, I think, six months is the initial timeline. So he looks like he's going to be back at some point this season, but just a crushing blow to a guy that's, you know, in his final year of his contract that's done what he's done in this league. Nate, was this shocking you at all? And uh, how do you feel about Patrick going down? I mean, like, I hate the Hurricanes, but you hate to see that. Like, especially when he like he's going to get a fresh start in Carolina. You know, he wants to give it a chance. And, like, that happens. Like, that sucks. That really sucks. But they do have another guy that they acquired. They acquired Brent Burns. So hopefully that works out and he rebounds, revives his career, because obviously he was going downhill in San Jose. Yeah, for sure. Mitch, what about you? I agree with them. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think Burns needs a big fresh start for for sure. San Jose is they're going down and he was just going down with them. So I think Carolina's back on a contending team, maybe a cup contending team. You never know. I think both these players are going to redeem themselves. And I really do like Pacioretty being out of Vegas now because I don't like the direction Vegas is going in. And I think they're going to have another downfall season. And I've always found him being a really, he's a really good hockey player. So again, he's going to be in a cup contending team possibly. So the chance he can now give himself to redeem himself. And I expect him to be at a good form again, both those players. So it's a fresh start and in a good place to be playing. Yeah, he uh, Tony D'Angelo's gone, so he's yeah. gonna have a chance to. I think he's going to run that first power play, if I'm not mistaken. So he's gonna have a chance to really revive his career next year. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like Carolina. They made the move to their black alternate jersey, which is their new home. I think that's pretty sharp. I love Aho, I like Carolina a lot. You know, Svechnikov's hard not to like too, but. You know, Carolina, there's a lot of question marks for me because, again, you know, every year it seems like they make these, like, weird decisions with, like, contracts and, like, who they're going to pay and who they're going to move on from. Like, they moved on from their power play running D back-to-back years now in Dougie Hamilton and Tony D'Angelo. And now to bring in a guy like Burns, you know, D'Angelo and Hamilton had a lot of success on the Carolina power play running it. But now you're going to have a guy like Brent Burns. Am I, like saying that this guy's going to get 70 points. No, but like, it's going to be hard to see him do worse than he did last year, right? Like, I think he could hit 60 for sure. Um, it's just like his age and now playing in a harder division. I don't know, like, how much to expect from Burns really because he's a guy that's going to want to play in the top four for sure. But the way they kind of used D'Angelo was kind of, you know, he, he wasn't really the top pairing kind of guy. He was at certain points, you know, obviously for injuries, but, you know, they use Tony D'Angelo more as like a power play weapon. And I just don't see them doing that with Burnsy. So it's going to be interesting to see for sure. I don't know if I'd take a guy like Burns in fantasy this, like this upcoming season though, because of that, but it's going to be interesting to see how Carolina does. Cause you know, they, like I said, they move on from some core pieces. They lost Vinny Trocheck as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to rely on Kokaniemi a lot as the number two center now behind Jordan Stahl. So Aho, Kakaniemi, and Stahl as your three centers to open up the year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I, I'm rooting for them because, you know, they're a cool team, and I love Aho, and I'd like to see them have some playoff success. But, um, you know, it's also going to come down to how healthy can Freddie Anderson stay because I think that was a huge reason why they didn't get as far as they wanted to in last year's postseason. 
How about you guys? Anything? Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I did, I did like Ranta and how he was able to take over, but uh, again, like, yeah, I, I find like they're, they're a good team and all, but they, yeah, they really can't close. Like, I, I, they're, they get like top contending favorite all year, but I just, they can't close. I think. They're a top team in the East, but they just got to start closing it out. So I do, yeah, I do think Anderson, yeah, would have helped them a bit. But I'm, I'm interested to see what like another Patcheretti. Their forwards are getting better, and Burns gonna get another opportunity. He's got some playoff experience too, so they're a lot better. I could see them definitely coming out on top. I could probably see them finishing at least second in the Metropolitan Division. They should at least get by round one next year. So they're a lot better team than last year, and they got two good veterans out of Burns and Pacioretty that are deemed to redeem themselves under the teams. A very underrated loss, you said his name, is Vinny Trocek. That guy was kind of like the heart and soul of that team. Losing him is going to be very difficult. Oh, for sure. No, it's going to be interesting to see. They moved on from a lot of pieces, but somehow Carolina, I guess it's the analytics. You know, they're, they're a very uh, heavy-driven analytic organization, and good for them. But next, let's move on to another very analytic organization, and that is Mitch, our home team that we cover here at Battleborn Fan Talk, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs always are in headlines, like always are in headlines. And, you know, it only got bigger this offseason when they made – some monstrous goaltending moves here. They bring in two-time Stanley Cup winner, Matt Murray, and they also add Ilya Samsona, former first-round pick of the Washington Capitals. Let's start with you, Mitch. Can Matt Murray bounce back in Toronto? Yes, he will. I'm not just saying that because he's on the Leafs and we cover podcasts, but he will bounce back this year. The thing, biggest thing that stands out to me is the two Stanley Cups. He has been there and done that. That's all that said. This is a massive upgrade over Jack Campbell, and I would not pay Jack Campbell five and a half million dollars, five and a half, five point five million dollars a season. That is a joke of a contract for what he for what he did last season, which was very minimal. He had he had some good stretches, but he had some really bad stretches, and he he had an average postseason. So, I that that's a terrible five point five million. But knowing the Oilers, whoever leaves the Leafs, they usually sign a big contract. So, and the Oilers are desperate for goaltending. But I I think they should have. If I were the Edmonton Oilers, I would sign Kemper instead over Campbell. I think they definitely dropped the ball there big time. Kemper's again come off the Stanley Cup win too, and Campbell's coming off nothing. So don't get me wrong, I really like Campbell. He's good, but I just the Leafs had to move on from him, and he's not worth five and a half million dollars. So, but with regards to Murray, like his tan, like the thing is, his tandem finishing in Pittsburgh, like fans really got too ahead of themselves, ahead of themselves with him because after they they just they really hated how uh, that he stole the spotlight from Murray or uh, sorry Flurry because that was their go-to guy for years in Pittsburgh especially for majority of their cup runs. So, but I believe they had to move on from uh, Fleury as he was just, when, when you get Murray coming off what he did, you just have to stick with that. And unfortunately, yeah, it didn't pan out there and, and they moved on. So that is what it is. And then he transitions to Ottawa and Ottawa, like, I don't care who they've signed this year. I don't care where you think they're going. They still haven't been the same since Chris Coonan's ended that, uh, ended that season. <laughs> Oh my god! And he has not 
seen it out of uh, – we have not seen – we don't know what Debrinket and Drew can bring to that team yet, so I uh, will see what happens there. <laughs> but uh, I still think they're missing defensive pieces, but that's about it. But with Murray, like Murray never – I never knew Murray was panning out in Ottawa. Like he wasn't going anywhere. Ottawa wasn't going anywhere. There was no direction for that guy to go whatsoever. So, yeah, everyone's going to say, well uh, – like the yeah, everyone's gonna say, well, no, it's it's not a bad move for the Leafs. Like the, it's 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 a better move than you think. Like it's because the Leafs, the, what the Leafs struggle with is experience. They don't have that experience. They got a great group of hockey players. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have the experience to get them by where it matters. And now with the signing of Matt Murray, uh, he's been in multiple game sevens, multiple game sixes down the line. And all and all all they need to do is just win that game seven in the first round. Murray's been in game sixes to close out Stanley Cup final games. He's been in Eastern Conference final game sevens. I think Matt Murray can close out a first round uh, first round uh, a playoff round one, in my opinion, for the Leafs. So this is why I think he's the right guy. And I don't think uh, nothing against Campbell or anything. I never I, if the Leafs would have kept going with Campbell, I just I just couldn't see them getting by with him. But Murray, I it's a fresh start for him. And he's seen like he I know he's gonna come in. He's gonna want to break break this this uh this streak going for the Leafs of getting out of the first round so early. And he's he's been there and they know that's what they're bringing him in for. So I fully believe he's going to have a massive bounce back season. And that, yes, I understand he has his good and his bad stretches. He'll have his rough stretches, but he's I see mostly good out of this. And he's not going to put up crazy stats, but I'm not expecting him to put up anything crazy, but he's going to bring in big experience for the Leafs and that's what they need to get them out of this first round. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with some of the stuff you said there. You kind of lost me at certain points. Not gonna lie. <laughs> no, but like auto stuff. Yeah, like no. throwing, just throwing shots at Ottawa. Yeah, thank you. Shots at Ottawa at least. Yeah, that's no, but, true. That's true. I don't think the Senators have been the same since then. No, but and like we haven't seen Giroux or Debrink get pan out yet. So it's yeah, they're oh, great. Oh, why are you hosting Ottawa? <laughs> has a personal bias. <laughs> it was five years ago. <laughs> yeah, come on, Nate. You throw some. Sh- you can throw some shade at them too. Yeah, but like, I'm not gonna say like Chris Chris Kudens like end of their career. Like no, when true. we're talking about Matt Murray, right? like <laughs> he wasn't even on the team. He wasn't even on Ottawa when that happened. <laughs> but it is the goal ended the franchise, and I don't think Ottawa's been the same since. So, but I, I think that may change this year, though. Okay, like the the Murray move, I like it, but like a lot, like it seems like people are saying that he's either gonna win the Vesna or that he's either gonna blow up and it's gonna be a a disaster. He's not winning the Vesna. I think I think it's gonna be that middle. I think he's gonna give you nine fifteen save percentage. I think he's gonna have a goal against average in the two fifties to three. Like I think he's gonna have a good year. I think you're gonna see a lot of stretches though. I think he's gonna have some elite performances for a couple weeks. You know, maybe game to game. But I also think they're going to see all the dark points at some times where they look at a guy like Sam Sonoff. I think that's all part of the recipe when you have a 1A, 1B tan like Columbus going with again this year. Now, Sam Sonoff, very capable backup. Um, you know, he's a very good goaltender. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Sammy does. But, you know, I think Matt Murray, that, that's the focal point right now, the goaltending in Toronto. 
why? Because he's got that extra year next year and the cap that he's being paid is uh, pretty high. Now, going back to your point about Ottawa, Ottawa signed him because they were in that rebuilding phase. Matt Murray was still considered a very young goaltender who was, you know, supposed to be at the top of the game after winning back-to-back cups with the Penguins, then coming a little back down to earth uh, those last two playoff years against the Islanders and Canadians. And I think Ottawa took that gamble to kind of reform his game and just get him to, I guess, to be their franchise long-term goaltender. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, but they didn't really give up that much. Like, they gave up Gruden, uh, the prospect, that, and they gave up a second-round pick at the time. So, you know, not too bad, but it was the contract that killed them. And the fact that they got out of moving Matt Murray's contract, um, you know, for very little compared to what teams were giving up to move the cap space this year, I got to say it, it's kind of a win in Dorian's perspective because right now you had to move Matt Murray. Ottawa, Ottawa had no chance of being taken seriously as a contender, rolling back with, Matt Murray with his full cap hit, that was just, you know, ludicrous. They go out, they bring in Talbot, who I think is a much more trustful goaltender. Uh, after last year, I think he's a little bit overrated in a lot of aspects. If you look at the um, advanced analytics and those metrics, it, you know, it's almost a false season a little bit. But, you know, Talbot, I still think he's going to give you mediocre goaltending. I think it was a good move there. I think he's going to be good in Ottawa. And I just, I, I'm, I'm excited for Murray, man. I love that guy. And I'm really hoping he finds his, you know, footing back in Toronto. You know, this is a cast that he's very familiar with. A lot of Sault Ste. Marie guys, Kyle Dubas, you know, just to mention one. Um, you know, you look at Michael Bunting and for sure Sheldon Keefe as his head coach again. I'm excited for Matt Murray. And, you know, if there wasn't the Samsonov creeping down his back, hiding in the shadows, I would for sure pick Matt Murray in fantasy. Why? Because I think that Matt Murray – is going to be very good next season, and I think this is a good move on Dubas. I, I don't know if he's a fantasy guy. I just okay, but like whether you like it or not, yeah, they don't win in the playoffs, but like least are a regular season winning force. I, no, like no. they they get wins whether you like it or not. I think you'd be surprised. I think that might change with him. You'd be surprised. No, I think Toronto right now they have experience. Toronto's Murray's, the best. Murray can get them by a game seven. Toronto's the best in the league. In ter- I in- think they're better. No, no, in terms, I, no, in no, terms of not. looking at <laughs> No, they're not. Looking Tampa's at- still better. No, 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 no. Okay, Tampa, I'm Tampa has a lot of question marks. They have a lot of question marks going to next year. Is Nick Paul going to be what he was from the playoffs? Remember, they just moved McDonough. Okay, Nick Paul's a- Okay, they just moved. <laughs> no Nick Paul slander. That guy's a great player. Okay, but is Corey Perry now a year older going to do what he did? Like, I just don't know. There's too many question marks for me right now. If I look at the least roster, they're better. They are the only team really in the Atlantic that I trust that got better last season. Did Boston get better? They added Zaka, but they're facing a lot of injuries. Did Florida get better? We're going to save that for the second episode. Did Tampa get better? I don't know because Tampa didn't go out and add. They only subtracted. We're banking on Braden Point staying healthy. We're banking on Nikita Kucherov staying healthy. That's a team that always battles injuries. I love Tampa Bay. I love John Cooper. That's a great team. I, I respect the hell out of that organization for sure. I just don't know if I trust them as much as I do with the Leafs right now on paper in terms of the regular season. If we're talking about a playoff series, completely different story. But right now, looking at the two rosters, the Leafs' problem last year was the bottom six in goaltending for a large part of the regular season. And they upgraded the bottom six. 
And I think they're going to upgrade in terms of goaltending as well once you see how good Samson is. Oh, Bell's so underrated. That's, that, that's what I mean. That bottom six is Stanley so much Cup. better. That's another – that's more experience too. They got depth experience. I, I, I think they're a lot better this year. You'd be uh, surprised. That's what I mean. I like, didn't see Tampa so really at. No. All right, Nate, anything uh, you want to finish up with here with Matt Murray in Toronto? I just want to say – I like I agree with a lot of your points, but like it's gonna be hard for Matt. Like, just Toronto has so like they're expecting all like everyone in Toronto is expecting Matt Murray to like be that guy that'll take him to the promised land, which is the second round, <laughs> which is like good enough. Like if Leafs can make it to the second round, they can just call it a day. That's that's their demons gone. Obviously, next step is the cup, but that's. Them if they get over the first round. That is a ridiculous amount of pressure on Matt Murray's back. <laughs> like that uh, that's that's what I'm th- that's what I'm thinking. He no, he does have a lot of pressure coming to Toronto. He's not playing Pittsburgh Pitt, like the how toxic some of their fans got with him and like how spoiled, but he's getting more pressure in Toronto. Oh, yeah. sure. bigger market. It is arguably Pittsburgh's the, not as it, big as Toronto. It is arguably the hardest position to play in maybe the NHL, being the starting goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs, oh it is maybe it is maybe the hardest. Now, uh, do I trust Matt Murray? Yeah, I do. This he's not a kid anymore, guys. Like he's been in tons of playoff games, high leverage situations. He's been at some of the darkest points in his career. This is a guy that we know who is very closely tied to his dad. Unfortunately, passed away. And, you know, Ottawa was not doing well. It looks like he didn't – like the franchise didn't really have his back. And, you know, that makes me sad because Matt Murray always – you know, you watch his interviews, always seems like a happy, positive guy, very down-to-earth. And it was just so sad hearing his interview when he uh, got traded to the Maple Leafs that, for that first time. Just hearing how much, you know, being with that cast that he's familiar with and being accepted one and again here with Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith and – you know, going back to teammates like Michael Bunting, I'm happy for him. I, I think he's going to kill it. I think, you know, he knows that the world is on his back right now. I think he knows the challenge he's up against. And I just think with Matt Murray, I think this is a very underrated aspect. Matt Murray's best performances. Now, Mitch, you can mark me on this because we both, both watch Penguins games all the time. Yeah. Matt Murray had his best performances when the number two goaltender on his roster was challenging for that number one. Look at this two Stanley Cups. Who was there? Marc-Andre Fleury. Then, in the year the Penguins lost to the Islanders, Casey DeSmith was kind of barking up that tree until we got to the postseason. Matt Murray still remained as that guy. He His best performances. I think there was a streak where he had like a 2.19 goals against average and a save percentage that was like almost 930. He was very, very strong in that march. Um, then you looked at well, the year they lost to Montreal, right, in the play. And Jari, Jari, Jari had that breakout eclipse where he was just insane. He was a wall. He makes it to the All-Star game, which I, I didn't expect at all. And what happened? Matt Murray was a rock-solid goaltender the rest of the way that year when he got his opportunities. And that's when, when Matt Murray has the competition, I think that's when you see him at his best. Last year, we talked about how good Matt Murray's second half was with the Ottawa Senators before he got injured and that was out for the season eventually. Guess who was doing well at that time? Anton Forsberg. So I think Matt Murray, if he has a you know a backup that's competing for that role, I think it keeps him a little bit more focused and locked in. And I gotta say, Sam Sonov, he knows a 25-year-old goaltender on a one-year deal, it's a make-or-break season for him, really, in terms of a long-term contract and next year free agency. 
I think he's going to go and kill it too. I think these are both very good goaltenders. And you look down the pipeline, I think Shalgren started getting better as the season went on. Yes, he had two very amazing first starts. We saw him in the postseason looked a lot more poised and a lot more, you know, just just quiet. That's what I want to see from goaltending terms, quietness. I don't want to see highlight real plays, Jack Campbell jumping across his crease, none of the fun stuff, just boring, simple hockey. I saw that from Shalgren in that playoff game. I'll take it. I think he's still an option, potentially. But then they go on and sign Dryden McKay, right? Dryden McKay, Hobie Baker, when I was a goaltender last season. Very, very strong season. Very productive numbers. I think this team right now is in a great position. They improved that bottom six. It's going to it's gonna be interesting to see how Toronto does this year. And for that, I'm saying right now, if I had to pick a division winner, for sure, I'm looking at Toronto right now. Because as much as I would love to put Tampa at number one, I just think Toronto is the only team that sure hand got better. And we know that we can trust. You look at teams like Ottawa and Detroit added too much in the offseason. We don't know. We can only look off names and off papers. And we did that for Tyson Barrier in Toronto. Look how that turned out. So that's that's the end of my point here on Matt Murray. Uh, Nay, is there anything you want to finish off with? No, I think you wrapped that up pretty good. All right. Anything from you? I like what you said about the competition. I do think he has a bit of competition now with uh, Sam Sonoff being in Toronto too. He's, he's a guy I'd watch out for. But I think like – I think they're going to split the workload between both those guys, honestly. I just don't see uh, Murray getting the full workload. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split start between the two. So, But, again, the competition's there, and it's going to be a battle for that number one spot. And I'm, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. But I can just see uh, it just being a 50-50 split uh, regular season. Sort of like I can see a 60-40, honestly, sort of thing. But, uh, that, yeah, it's just, I don't think Murray will get the full workload now that Samsonov's there. And I think that's a really underrated signing for the Leafs. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the end of episode one here of the Crushing Booze and Pain Booze Hockey Podcast. It was a pleasure, as always, to our listeners here from myself, Mitchell, and Nate. Obviously, we do have other co-hosts uh, on this platform. You know, there's actually a whole bunch. We're trying to get a lot of uh, co-hosts that share a following for a lot of different teams. You know, Daniel Gaeta, who's going to be part of the core host here, could not make it, unfortunately, for the first episode. But hopefully have him back on for episode two. But I want to thank you guys all for listening today. Remember, the Crushing Booze and Pain Dues Hockey Podcast is this place you want to be as we head toward the regular season. We have a ton of new content coming out. Make sure you follow the socials, the Instagrams, and Twitters. We are going to have some elite, elite stuff coming out for you guys. And we look forward to it. And I, I cannot wait. There's not much else to say here today. Um, it's a long episode, but we are going to be with you guys throughout the whole season and hopefully for a very, very entertaining hockey year. Thank you guys. And that is all from us here at the Crushing Booze and Pain News.
Fight.